Well, virtually everyone has one. Uh, I'm speaking about a family. And we recognize that some families are uh, double parent families and other families are single parent families. And I want to start by having a word of encouragement for those who may be here as single parents. I am well aware that uh, most single parents have not chosen that path. It's what's happened, and it's what needs to be dealt with. And I'm also aware that it breaks the hearts of all those who are involved. I also recognize that being a single parent is often like trying to hang wallpaper with one arm tied behind your back. (laughs) You're busy. Life is demanding. Often you're exhausted, sometimes discouraged, often stressed out, and typically money is somewhat scarce. Well, I have two biblical promises from God to single parents. Originally, initially, God made these promises to Israel, uh, but they have a secondary application to modern Christian single parents. One more thing I want to say as before I give you those promises is that I fully acknowledge that a single-parent family is no less a family than a double-parent family. So these promises from God, uh, first to Israel and by secondary application to single parents here today, Isaiah 54, 5 and 6, For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, like even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected, says your God. In that promise, God is saying that God is a husband to the husbandless. But there's another promise I want to share. It's from Psalm 68, verse 5, and this is the promise. A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. So not only is God promising to be a husband to the husbandless, but God is equally promising to be a father of the fatherless. And so the bottom line, the practical bottom line at this point in the message is you who are single parents, please do not stop listening to this sermon because you think that it's not for you. It is for you. And so we move into the key verses of our time together in God's word. Judges 21.25, which says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Second key verse, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, first part of the verse. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. I think that if we are honest and observant, we would say that there are two very different kinds of families. There is the dangerous chaos family and the delightful construction family. Two very different kinds of families. I want to start with the dangerous, chaos kind of family. Historically, there was a particularly pitch-dark, black time in Israel's national history. 
It was an embarrassing time when the Jewish nation stunk something like an uncovered moral cesspool. It was also a leaderless time, a time when the Jewish nation lacked direction and strayed in a thousand different bad directions. It was the time of the judges. We can read about the time in our Old Testament book by that name, the book of Judges. The last verse of the book of Judges is somehow an eerie epitaph on the gravestone of that particular period of Israeli national disgrace. And that verse, that eerie epitaph says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. <laughs> it's not rocket science when enough persons in any nation do whatever is right in their own eyes that there is dangerous chaos. So let's talk more about dangerous chaos. For ancient Israel, at the time of the judges, the dangerous chaos looked like the following. Rebellion against God, idol worship, corruption, disobedience to God's law, God using foreign enemies to persecute his people, spiritual truth not being passed from parents to their children. Oh yes, these were very dark days. For 2018, Commonwealth of the Bahamas, we too have dangerous chaos. And here and now, our dangerous chaos looks in part like garbage being dumped everywhere but the dump. Streets, beaches, the sea. It looks like number houses promising that everyone wins, but actually they win the most. It looks like our traffic laws that are viewed as traffic flaws. They're optional. It looks like dishonest begging in the streets, but equally, it looks like dishonest begging in some pulpits. And so we say, or we hear, it never used to be like this. Judges 21-25 said that in part back then the problem was no king in the land. Now I want to make a personal assessment, but I want to say something before I make it. I hope you know that the Elliots love Bahamians and we love the Bahamas. In fact, when people who do not live here know that we live here and they ask us, what's it like in the Bahamas? Our answer is always the same. We say the Bahamas are beautiful, but the people are better. And we mean that. But let me make a personal observation. In my opinion, 
If the problem in ancient Israel was no king in the land, then one of the problems in our Bahamas is that there is no king of kings in the land. You may think at that statement, but most every Bahamian knows about Jesus. Yes, but there's a critical 18 inches between the head and the heart. With some, I I don't pretend to know how many, there is no king of kings in this land. Some, accordingly, do what's right in their own eyes. They are good at calling Jesus' name, but they are bad at obeying him when he calls their names. They are amazing that the scripture they have been raised with and in some cases have memorized is not making a lick of difference in their living. And I find it amazing that here in Nassau we support 3,000 churches but we shed 3 million tears. I don't know, I haven't looked and researched it, but I think it's probably likely that we have some of the most churches per capita in the world. One church for every 93 Bahamians, according to my calculations. But we see that the majority of our churches not making much spiritual difference at all. We're like a the ants in a big anthill. Together we could really disrupt the picnic status quo, but we don't because we labor as though we are the only lonely ant. Dangerous chaos. It seems that for some people, Jesus is such a given that they are not taken with him anymore. Or like bathwater, which started out very hot, but has slowly cooled to be tepid. It seems to me, based on my limited experience, that for some Jesus is more of a memory than a master. And I meet people that when I chat with them and think about it afterwards, they seem to think they have somehow outgrown Jesus. It goes something like this. I came to Calvary Bible Sunday School, or I came to Calvary Bible Awana. And then I say something like, and I know they don't come to Calvary, I say, where do you go to church? Well, I send my kids to XYZ Church. And then I say, you go with them. And they say, no. I work so hard Monday to Saturday, I'm too tired on Sundays. And all of this breeds a false sense of spiritual security. 
And all of this screams really an unfounded assumption that I'm spiritually okay because my Grammy was, or my parents are. Proverbs 30, verses 11 and 12 seem to fit. There is a kind of man who curses his father and does not bless his mother. There is a kind who is pure in his own eyes, yet is not washed from his filthiness. If that's all I had to share in this family message, um, it would be discouraging. But please don't pack up your bags at this point and take the first jitney out of this sermon. There is a big silver lining to our national cloud. It's clear to me that our Bahamian culture is far, far, far more open to prayer and the Bible and Jesus Christ than, it, than are the United States, Canada, Great Britain, Europe, etc. And so we are truly advantaged here to raise our children in a place where prayer is still welcome in the public schools and in the prisons, where the Bible is still allowed in business and in radio broadcasts, where Christ is still expected in conversations and courtrooms. All of this hugely helps us as Christian parents into our delightful construction work with our kids. And while we're on all this, I hope that you will not lose track of the amazing Bahamian advantage that Christ is still in Christmas here. Nativity scenes go up without controversy here. Christmas carols are sung without debate in the public forum. This is not so in the United States or Canada or Great Britain or Australia or Europe. Here, thank God, Jesus is still the reason for the season. And our Judeo-Christian heritage survives. So we go from dangerous chaos to delightful construction. If you know Christ as Savior and God has gifted you with a child or children, then you are to be about this thing we're calling delightful construction. And Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Do you know what exactly the Lord is wanting you to build, parent? It's easy. He wants you to build kids who do what's right in God's eyes, not in their eyes. And one of the gracious ways that the Lord works with us believing parents to build our houses is that he sees us and he supports us. Second Chronicles 16, first part of verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. What a promise. 
God can see, and he will strengthen hearts that are totally his. God will see, and he will strengthen hearts that are totally his in the process of building homes, houses. And with such divine support, Christian parents can, by faith and in accordance with God's word, pray and long for the best possible results with respect to their child rearing. And to say it again, the best possible results for your parenting and for my parenting is kids who do what's right in God's eyes, not in their own eyes, because they're born again, because they're growing in grace, because they're living the book. You know, I think that all successful builders begin with the end in mind. Walt Disney, before, he, before Disneyland was finished in 1955, died. A reporter made the remark to one of Disney's family that it was too bad that Walt didn't see it finished. The reply was interesting. Oh, he saw it finished from the time you first thought of it. As we build, as we parent, we must build with the end in mind. Born again children who are Jesus followers, who are growing in the word and in God's amazing grace. Kids who don't do what's right in their own eyes, but who do what's right in God's eyes. Do you know what we'll end up with if we end up with enough kids like that? I'll tell you. The church and the society will get valedictorians and compassionate neighbors and obedient Christians and humble servants and righteous white-collar workers and righteous blue-collar workers. The church and society will get respectful wives and sacrificially loving husbands, obedient children, honest employees, fair bosses, willing church workers, faithful pastors, soul-winning Christians, Christ-like followers of Jesus Christ. And what a happy sight that will be in the church and what a happy sight that will be in the culture. A whole cohort of kids committed to doing what's right in their God's eyes and not what's right in their own eyes. I think that's exciting and motivating to think about. You know, sometimes you have to see a picture of the house that you are constructing done just to keep you swinging the hammer to build it. Fortunately, the Lord in his graciousness has given us a picture of the house he wants to build with us. It's called the scriptures. If we want to find out 
what's right in God's eyes, we need to look no further than the Bible. Now, as we begin to wrap it up, I want you to consider with me Psalm 127.1 again. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. In this one verse, I see at least four things. Number one, partnership. God's will is to strike a partnership between himself and Christian parents. It's a partnership. Number two, vanity is a possible outcome when it comes to parenting. In fact, vanity will be the outcome if the Lord God isn't the foreman of the construction project in your family. Number three, building the house that God wants to build requires labor. Those of us who have been parents uh, of young children and now are parents of grown children, we would turn to the parents who are expecting babies or who have given birth to babies and they're very young children, and would we not say to them and to encourage them, the days are long, but the years are short. I mean, you blink, and that little toddler is graduated from college. And so in that difficult, challenging, rewarding time of child-rearing, God does not uh, paint uh, an inaccurate picture in his word. He says it's labor. But unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So if you think parenting is not hard work, uh, smell the coffee. Parenting and building a house and producing young people who are uh, contributing adults to their church and their culture and their country is hard work. It's not for the lazy. And number four from this verse, there is a pronoun they in the verse. See it? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Certainly, that pronoun first and foremost refers to a Christian, or in this case, a covenantal uh, husband and wife, a par- to parents. But I'd like to make the point that the they can be broader than that that this project of combining with God in partnership to raise up, to train up, to teach up children that will become persons who want to do what's right in God's eyes and not in their own eyes, that there can be others around that nuclear family who know God, who can help us. Praise God for that. The believing babysitter the committed Christian cross-trainer leader, the Sunday school teacher, the pastor, the auntie who loves Jesus, the Grammy who is in the Bible all the time. 
We are blessed if we have these kind of persons in our family's construction project on the house that the Lord wants to build. They'll help us. They'll pray for us. They'll work in concert with us to teach our children spiritual dynamic truth. You know, Pastor Worrell was talking about the group that went out on Monday past to do a prayer walkabout in, in Mason's edition and to give out literature to help our neighbors know the ministries that are available to them to help uh, strengthen their families. Uh, not just the family week ministries, but all year round ministries were in that leaflet. When Pastor Paul came back, he told me that he had a conversation with a, a mature man from Mason's edition. And Pastor Paul told me what that man told him. This is what that man told him. He said, you know, between Calvary Bible Church, East Street Gospel uh, Chapel, and E.T., you will look after us. He didn't cite the government. He didn't cite a service club. This man knew and I say this to the glory of God, that this church and East Street Gospel Chapel and ET loves our neighbors. And we do. We want to come alongside them, not because we're smarter, but because we can encourage what they're trying to do already. And so... I'm going to end with where I started. It's either dangerous chaos or delightful construction. And the thing about it is we get to choose. We're not victims of any choice being made for us. We get to choose whether our families will be dangerous chaos or whether they will be delightful construction. You know, it's not too late to turn it around, but equally, it is too early to quit. We've been watching the trailer for the movie that will be shown this afternoon at 5 called the Like Arrows. We've been watching the little short trailer to tell us what the movie is about. And there's a man in that trailer named Tim Kimmel who has said something in that trailer that has grabbed me by the throat and it hasn't let go of me yet. He said, if you start out your job knowing how long this kid's going to live, everything changes. And I happen to know how long every kid lives. They live forever. And so, wise is the parent or grandparent who chooses delightful construction. Let us not lose sight of the facts. There's a heaven to be gained. There's a hell to be avoided. 
and there's a society to be salvaged. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Please pray with me. Oh God, we would pray that our hearts are completely yours. Help us, Lord, to pursue you with our all. Help us to understand that chaos does not equal construction. They're very different. Help us to remember that every child lives forever. Lord, because of your Holy Spirit indwelling us, exalting Christ, illuminating our understanding of Scripture, thank you that we can know what is right in your eyes. We can do what is right in your eyes. And we can call our children to the same standard of knowing and doing what is right in your eyes. Father, thank you that your eyes do move to and fro over every nation on earth, including our Bahamas, that nothing escapes your gaze. And Lord, we are comforted and encouraged that your eyes are moving to and fro in this congregation and to and fro in the churches of this city and to and fro on the family islands, looking, looking, looking for hearts that are completely yours. God, may you find a lot of them. We surely need your strong support in our parenting. It's a God-sized job. Lord, we are encouraged and comforted to know that we who are parents are in partnership with you that we never go to a day without you being there with us. We never walk into a situation that you are not first there. Thank you. Lord, it sobers us that it's possible for us to work hard but in the world's way so that what we build is vanity Poof, it's gone. Oh God, help that not to happen. And precious Savior, thank you for the realism of the Word of God. 
that the building of a house and the constructing of a child is labor. It's hard work. It isn't handed to us on a silver platter. Be our strength. Be our stamina. Be our blueprint. And Lord, when we consider the pronoun in Psalm 127, verse 1, they, thank you that it can include more than the parents themselves. Thank you that it includes other believers who love our children, who spend time with our children, who influence our children, who pray for our children. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that part of being a spiritual family is that we care about each other's children. Lord, please help us each one to raise kids who are doing what's right in your eyes, not in their own eyes. We'll be careful to thank you, Lord, when the house is built. But we'll be careful to thank you while the house is being built. In Jesus' name, amen.